True Connections is a journey within to discover that you are part of everything. Life can often feel disjointed, but you and I are actually connected to one another, to nature, to animals, and many other ways like your thoughts, intentions, dreams, even your imagination. It's my desire to bring spiritual insight to these true connections so that you can get into the flow of life, receive the things that you want without struggle, and enjoy a more constant level of happiness. I am Weston Jolly, your host. Thank you, everybody, for joining me today. I have a a very special guest and actually a a beautiful friend of our family. We've known Pam for how how many years now? Is it like eight or ten? At least, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to bring Pam to the um, the podcast to talk about body and soul because she has a lot of expertise in this area. And before we get into that, Pam, and why don't you uh, tell us what you do? Well, I am a nurse massage therapist, and I've been doing this for about 35 years, um, which is not... I've developed it. It hasn't. It wasn't there before. I developed this approach to massage and uh, body work and uh, holistic. Holistic is interesting because holistic used to be mind, body, and spirit. Right. But I'm kind of going more. The newest trend is multidimensional because. It's a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, but spiritual goes into intuition, it goes up to divine mind, it goes into so many other dimensions that um, each person has a body and a mind in each of those dimensions. And so the idea is how to use the physical body to have access to all of those other minds and actually have some language because they don't show the same language and people don't know. That, that's extremely fascinating and you're already into it. So the um, the whole reason for this podcast is to bring everyone to a, a tighter awareness or a greater awareness to understand how our soul or our emotions and our body all literally integrate. Now, obviously, by the number of years that you've been doing this, um, one could say that you're a front runner, meaning that you actually... Uh, as you described, uh, innovated something that was brand new. Is that correct? Right. So can I ask, what what inspired that? Well, since I was a nurse, then I had children, and I didn't want to go back into the field of nursing the way it was because I wanted to actually reach people. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. And um, the allopathic tends to be, which is the medical medical field, tends to have very strict rules and stuff. Right. And so, and I always liked massage as a child. Mm-hmm. And I did massage on people. And so I thought, hmm. Then I saw this other nurse was 70 years old and still massaging. I thought, that's what I want to do. Really? And so that's what I went about doing. Now there is, you know, many times since 35 years, massage has not been in any, there was only, at that time, there's only two schools in the whole nation right. for massage. And so it wasn't, and it had a wonky reti- uh, reputation. So you mean the industry or the yeah, industry? Yeah. yeah, it was associated with other kinds of massage. massage right, that, right, yeah. right. So, but I wanted it to go into more health and prevention because allopathic isn't prevention; it waits till you're sick and then that fixes you. So I was right. more interested in keeping people healthy. So there have been three paradigm shifts in medicine. One was where you, the doctor, came to you, mm-hmm. horse and buggy. Mm-hmm. The second one came, you go to the doctor and they take care of you and they just do stuff to you and you just trust that. Sure. There's a third paradigm shift that has happened and nobody really knows it, is that nobody's taking care of you. You're in charge of you and nobody has trained you to take care of yourself. Man, we're in the right place because this is exactly what I want to talk about because I think a lot of people are struggling trying to understand what their body is, quote, telling them mm-hmm. and um, they are kind of aware. I mean, there's some awareness going on, but not necessarily the kind that perhaps you and I and others are, um, well, we're looking for. We're, we're helping others to create that awareness. But I thought this that even you, Pam, talking about um, 
how you came to know this. I mean, obviously this is all in one sense self-taught to the point that you're actually teaching others. Mm-hmm. And we should talk about that because you're, you're a teacher too. Right. And in one of those schools that you uh, mentioned uh, that are teach massage in the nation, you actually teach there. Right. So uh, it's important, I think, that um, Pam has, interestingly enough, what I will call the medical background, um, teaching anatomy and other kinds of... Um, very normal subjects. <laughs> mm. And then uh, talk to us a little bit about myofascial energy. What is massage, it? Energetic massage. Thank you. There's been different people, especially physical therapists with myofascial release. Mine mine is actually, I'd advanced it a little bit more. It's more connective tissue massage because I discovered that different techniques of massage were only different parts, you know, like myotherapy's muscle. Mm-hmm. Um Swedish tends to be circulatory. Okay. So I realize it when you touch the body, you work on different layers and different layers of skin, superficial fascia, fascia, myofascia, joint capsule. All of those are have the quality of connective tissue and connective tissue um, is something that's stuck if it's injured. Okay. And so what happens is the energy part was, um, I have a theory of energy that we're all energy, which which means when we, we're just thicker energy in the physical, you know, the thicker we get, (laughs) the more dense you mean. Yes. (laughs) And, but everything, all those other dimensions are just different frequencies of energy. Okay. So, um, the idea that each of those layers of the body have a different frequency too, which means would take a different approach to move it. And anything that in energetic gets thicker or slower or more likely in the physical will cause a disease or discomfort. Okay. So the idea of energy release is, or energy movement is life. If you have, if, um... Anything, the energy that's moving means life. When things stop, Mm -hmm. then it's not alive. And so that's even, even in rocks have a slight movement. So they are move, they have energy and so they move or they actually stick together and stay as an energetic thing. When they crumble into ash then, Mm -hmm. or dirt, then we've lost some connection or attraction so even the whole theory, quantum physics, physics, physics of energy is that I wanted to promote life, which is energy. And right. so it's easier to teach people about how each of these different things can cause we, if it gets stuck and then how we can keep it moving. Well, talk to me about that. Um, I'm, I have an inside track to that, but um, talk, talk to us more about how you help the people that you help uh, to create awareness that maybe something's stuck to begin with and how to begin to get it move on, moving again, specific to these physical levels that you talked about. And are there um, spiritual levels or frequencies too that you are tapping into or helping others in terms of their clearing? So I started massaging people to make them feel good. <laughs> good. So then I found out somewhere on the 70s and 80s, they had a, you know, these are where things start opening up in, in our culture mm-hmm. is the mind body. So I thought, oh, how you think and feel can cause problems in your physical. So I started teaching mind body stuff. And, okay. and that was, you know, uh, how your emotions can get stuck and how you think you know, you have this thought form that goes through and anxiety and worry and fear starts doing stuff. Then I found out, wow, um, what you believe affects how you think and feel. So I said, wow, all I have to do is help people change their belief system. <laughs> and how did that work? <laughs> and I went back to massaging people and make them feel good <laughs> because I still teach just to increase awareness that how you think and feel and what you believe actually can affect your physicality. Sure. And so, and then they're coming, and allopathic, even MDs are coming to the realization, some of them, not all of them, sure. that how you think and feel can and believe can cause your body like autoimmune diseases. They're starting to see that. If you don't feel really good about yourself for long periods of time, mm-hmm. you actually can start attacking yourself. Your body gives up and it says, no, that's it. We're going to, and it starts collapsing into it. So the idea is how to get people to release. 
I recently published a podcast that was about the body and how we actually hold sometimes our family secrets mm. in the body oh, yeah. and um, we don't know it and mm. we're holding on to it like we should because this is what it takes to be, you know, a jolly in terms of my last name um, and we hold on to it and then we walk into someone like you and you lovingly and politely and tenderly um, said, did you know, and you'll bring that to a state of awareness. But what would you say about that as a thought? Well, Yes. I was. I tell some females that we actually have all of the me too's. Every it doesn't mean that it happens to you. We carry female traumas. Sure. In all you know, so we, as a culture, we're enculturated in families, in society. All of those we carry with us, and it can become things that we attack ourselves for. Or get stuck in us. So the idea is freedom. We want to have give people freedom to control their own life. Right. And if they can possibly figure out that they've got them all their stuff wrapped around the axle, and mm-hmm. they can undo their own um, trauma mm-hmm. and address that. And understand it as a learning or a growth tool as opposed to just saying, oh, this thing happened to me or my family had this happen, is if you can embrace it and accept it and say, well, yeah, I learned a lot from that. Right. And um, I'm willing to let go of some of the trauma. Uh, They actually have done trauma psychology the last 20 years. That's the newest thing with dorsal vagus nerve and freeze and post-traumatic stress disorder and all of that because the medicine didn't work for them. So they actually needed to dive into what made the stress so stressful. And since my job is interbalanced stress reduction solutions, um, the idea was stress was one of the things why I did this, is stress reduction. And I I learned from a book I just recently read where when the body says no, and this Mm -hmm. is the autoimmune disease, is that stress, the name stress, was not there before um, 1970. Really? It was named by Hans Soleil, and he developed a whole theory about stress response. And stress was like in machine or, you know, buildings, you Mm -hmm. know, mechanical stress. Sure. But there wasn't a stress that your body was stressful until that time where somebody named it and said, by the way, your autonomic nervous system, it was fight or flight, not stress response. Right. And he renamed that or yeah. kind of said that. And then they started seeing that people with certain uh, personality traits, type A personality, would have more heart, condi- you know, so that's how they started looking at stress as a problem. Now, then it got to 75 to 80% of all diseases have a stress component, either wow. causing it or having it after what the disease causes stress. And then on top of that, whatever stress does to you, it can affect the other organs you have. So what you've said basically is that it used to be that uh, we had this uh, generic word stress, kind of a catch-all phrase, and it sounds like we're becoming more aware, um, even quantitatively, to be able to dial down to where these stresses are being held within the body right. and how it's affecting us. And you said a moment ago that this has everything to do with what we think and even what we believe. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people are individual, everybody's individually wrapped. Sure. So some people can have an, uh, a death in a family and have it uh, lodged. During, uh, this one woman, ha- her husband died and she was, uh, they owned a Zenith which is a TV sure. yeah. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> First color. And they had a shop and she, when he died, he, she didn't really grieve him until she sold the shop 20 years later. And then she really had a problem. I see. And that she had moved her grief into it, moved it. And then she, it was still back right. when she had to do that. And that, when I was a young child, because Zenith is like 40, 50 years ago um, (laughs) that I kind of go like, wow, that was weird. How did she get so upset? I mean, she had, you know, so that was, and this is just building on all the people are starting to come to critical mass. Mm -hmm. Things happen and people start looking at it and going like, ooh, now we have mind body theory. 
Uh, but we have some tendencies, you know, just for like functionality. Like we even say it, you know, somebody's a pain in the neck and the pain in the butt. Sure. All of those are areas that would be anger. <laughs> okay. So um, neck, well, neck and uh, which is jaw. Which is we the three things that you do with anger, which is tell somebody off, hit them or kick them, mm-hmm. are illegal, uh, assault and slander. Okay. So usually people jam that and say, "How are you? I'm fine. I'm just great." <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> or you Repressive. know they flinch. Right. You know, like uh, you know somebody says something. So we end up with more and more tension in that area, which pushes pressure on blood vessels and nerves, and that causes ache. And they go like, "Why does this ache?" I'm like, "Hmm, why does this ache?" And so if they, what's happening in your life? When did this start? Mm-hmm. And if I can look at or get them to say, you know, well, this are you, if they can give me like, well, right after such and such, they say, I don't know, but right. I always wait for the but. Mm-hmm. They go, they know. They know so this isn't the accident, and then they you know, I was in a court, and, they, and you can tell the building of stories sure. by listening. They need to hear it. They need to say it, and they need to. Uh, then I kind of point out, like you know, you just said this, right? Right. Because <laughs> a lot of times, talk therapy is it allows people to actually listen to themselves, sure. and then they change. And they, no, that's not what I meant. And then they change. And so that's how they clear it through talk therapy. So this is the same idea. I don't, I'm not a psych counselor, Mm -hmm. but it happens to be similar. Some people say, well, I like this. I get a massage and then I get to talk about what bothers me. And I like, but I use an education, more self-education for the person to, the person heals themselves. And so I'm just a facilitator of that. But this is the new paradigm shift or that we're just breaching that you said a moment ago, that that we're becoming, shall we say, accountable for this, this change? Right. But people don't know and nobody really knows. And it's kind of like, uh, Larry Dossie is the one that said, he's an MD, Mm -hmm. said that there's these paradigm shifts. But it's kind of like what's happened. For example, we used to have the doctor take care of us, and they were okay with that, and they're fine as long as I could do anything, you know. And, but when we start suing them, right. <laughs> they go, I don't want to be in charge. When insurance companies won't let them do what they want to do to completely, you know, rule out things. And so they go, well, I'm not going to take care of you. And the insurance company doesn't want you to take care of Then it's kind of put it back on to the person to take control. But nobody has told you or nobody's taught. Even medicine doesn't teach you to go. Google is the best. <laughs> like you have to go Google. So um, the problem with that is that in order to, you have to have some in-between person to actually say, yes, you're in charge. I can prove that it's changed. If you have a have a commercial that asks you to ask your doctor if you need an antipsychotic medicine <laughs> on top of my antidepressant, you would hope the doctor would know if you need an antipsychotic medicine right. without you asking, because how do you know if you're crazy? <laughs> right. So this is where, and this is, you can just look at our commercials. Like, they say, like, this medicine gives you projectile diarrhea. Oh, yeah, I want that. Why right. would I ask for that? So the, the idea is you're in charge. And the doctors will say, well, this is what's wrong with you. And this is what we can do about what you want to do. You know, what do you mean, the, what do you want to do? Sorry for interrupting, but this is something I think a lot of people have a difficult with, with, even in the physical realm, because we go to a doctor trying to explain what our quote-unquote issue is most of the time. I'm not trying to be disrespectful of the whole industry, but a lot of times they're not necessarily listening or they're listening to pieces and parts. You're supposed to see six people in an hour for the insurance companies to accept them. Wow. So they have five minutes. To make a determination. To make a determination. So even in coming to you, um, you know, I may or may not be conscious of something I'm dealing with. So by what means do you become aware so that you can help me to become aware? Well, I was thinking about this. Um, What brought me to this area? And it's because 
I feel what other people feel. So I'm an em- empathic person. To say the least. <laughs> so, and I had throughout all of my life had this weirdness that I could tell things. Can we go there for a minute? Mm-hmm. Can you share with us, um, because you truly are empathic and a lot of people listening are as well, and a lot of people have really, really struggled with that. Is that something that you've struggled with in terms of growing up? Yeah. You know, uh, my mom says, well, all I have to do is talk to you and you crawl underneath the table. She's, right. You're too, you're too sensitive. I'm like, well, I'm five. <laughs> would you <laughs> stop talking to me like that? Well, I didn't say that because that would be sassy. So, um, but it's an, yes. ener- it's an energy too, though. It's not right. just words. Um, right. It's you literally feeling right. an energy in the and room. And I can feel what other people feel. Right. So I did figure out. And then when I've read all kinds of books of empathy mm-hmm. late or empathics lately, you know, last 10 years, sure. it's got clearer and clearer. And there's some really good people that teach empaths how to, how to handle that. How and, to function. And how to, yeah. Otherwise yeah. you go like, mm, yeah. Right, right. Which is one of the reasons why it's, it's harder to teach this. I, it's got to be, it's almost a gift. And so the people that are gifted mm-hmm. have to really go and do this work as opposed to trying to teach people who are not empathic sure. how to do it because they don't have, they look at you like, what? Well, like, that makes sense. And I think that's, that's fair that, um, um, that there's a certain, should we say, skill set before someone would come to you from a student perspective. And I know that you do teach in that, that way very strongly to help people become aware. And oftentimes, not just through physical touch, like, can you feel this? And the mm. student is actually touching that, and they're still not necessarily feeling, feeling or <laughs> getting, should we say, the whole message, and you're really helping them to do that. And of course, I'm doing that for from maybe a little bit of a different angle, but mm. pretty much the same kind of thing. And, and I have a great deal of empathy, and I had a real challenge with my own self, being male too, right. uh, to try and incorporate that. Now, I'm not saying that it's harder for a male, not, that's not my point, but the, the real connected part to becoming aware that our empathy isn't something uh, of liability. I think a lot of right. people get stuck with that, and they think that they have to take on all these things of society, and it becomes a burden, and becomes heavy, and this is the whole point. We don't need to be uh, limited or constrained, and mm-hmm. and I, I know that your uh, your business is booked up, which is wonderful, <laughs> but uh, at the same time, it's, it's cool that other people become aware of how to take, should we say, awareness, turn that into accountability, and mm-hmm. then, um, shall we say, create a plan so that they can Mm -hmm. use these gifts, if you described it, Mm -hmm. as a means to take them happily forward. Mm -hmm. Well, I had my my Reiki master teacher in Kansas City. He says there's people that can do different, can read different things. There's people that can read cosmically, you know, like the different seasons, the moons, the, you know, cosmic uh, astrology kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. There are people that can read the earth, you know, like, there's going to be an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Some people can do it one-on-one, can work one-on-one, and sure. some people can work in groups. Mm-hmm. He says, you can do all of this. I said, what good is it? What good is it? I don't know what to do with it. If I can tell there's an a earthquake, who do I tell? Right. If I don't know where it is. So you actually have to train yourself to know what you're, you know, first of all, know that, you're picking something up. I feel weird. What is that? Is it something I can do something about? You know, I can't tell, call California and say, watch out for the earthquake. Does this happen to you in different parts of your geographic body? Meaning, um, is it the whole body at large or is it different yeah. pieces that pick up different I things? don't, uh, I haven't really, you know, sometimes you can get uh, a stomach ache or something. I had one gal I went was going on to her house at that time. And I had a really bad stomach, and I don't usually didn't have stomach aches Problems, at the time. Right. So I went there, and she, you know, through the massage, I go like, "Do you have a stomach?" And she said, "Yeah, it's a really bad stomach." I'm like, okay. And so when we got finished. I didn't have a stomach, and she didn't have a stomach. Ache. I says, "I don't want to do this." Yeah. <laughs> Whoever I'm talking to, uh, my <laughs> own self, I was like, "I don't want to live that kind of physicality empathy." Because there's different kinds of empathy: mm-hmm. physical empathy, emotional empathy, mental empathy. Spiritual empathy. So it's even in that category is like, no, physical, I don't want to do that. It's interesting. For myself, I literally have all four of those. Um, and I talked about, actually, Sarah did an interview with me, and she asked me very clearly, what do I do if I pick up on something that isn't mine, and how do I clear it? Um, and I spend quite a bit of time 
consciously making sure that I get clear so I can be balanced for myself, but then certainly balanced to help the next person I'm going to talk to. And sometimes it can take a little bit of work <laughs> to um, get myself clear because I'm not, should we say, paying attention. Most of the time I am, but uh, it happens. And mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's not a liability. It's mostly what I want to drop down is it isn't, it's, it's really a, a series of gifts mm-hmm. and it's beautiful to have them. Um, and sometimes, it's, I mean, not everyone else understands that. The people that do... Um, thinks is kind of neat and that's that's nice but i know that you pam have not just a uh empathetic gift or two but rather many but if you feel something from someone else mm-hmm. what do you do uh is that a message that you convey or is that something that you allow within your body or is that something that you said a moment ago that you don't allow well for me first of all i see is it mine or is it yours right so i kind of have in my mental body. I go, everybody behind the door. If it's my stuff, get behind the door. We'll talk about it later. Everybody, I have a belief system, see mm-hmm. this is where the belief is, that who I'm with is most important at this moment. Mm-hmm. Where we're, that's so I clear me out so that I can actually feel if there is something, information. The problem is, is sometimes I get information like, like, hmm. I might not be, I have to see where they are in their belief system mm-hmm. and whether they would accept me saying, you know, well, have you seen a doctor lately? Or, you know, or have, have you, do you know that this is here? There's some kind of blockage here. First of all, they have to accept that I do that. Right. And so that's where sometimes I allow, you know, I kind of like sort, you well, know. Well, that's similar to, I, I call it triaging, mm-hmm. um, where I'll actually triage uh, a body and then I will also talk to the person's higher self to ensure mm-hmm. that I have permission to share something mm-hmm. that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to shock anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to project that something's uh, wrong with someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not my place, probably any more than yours. But if someone's wanting to become aware and how to take that awareness into a state of balance, well, pff, I'm all about that, mm-hmm. as you are. Yeah, well, because I've had some... Uh, students that I would say stuff and they got mad at me because they don't tell them I have this. I don't have that. And I go like, you will. (laughs) I was hoping that, you know, because, and, or they come back two years later, you know what you were saying? I had that. (laughs) I was like, yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. I breached out and I have to be careful with students because I don't want to give them something earlier or I kind of wanted to like prevent because if you know bringing to awareness some things might actually prevent them from having stuff and that's where the desire to say it in such a way that is not that's not threatening is there something they can control and they can work on and let go and More as, a, as an observer, right? Right. Yeah. So we're not uh, injecting, quote, our belief systems right. on somebody, but rather just observing that there's a possibility or sometimes I present it as an option so it doesn't sound like I'm telling somebody what to do. Right. Um, but rather saying, hey, better you, not do that. Yeah, no, I'd be giving consideration mm-hmm. to this. And then when that opens up further, per, per permission, then I can share pretty exactly if someone wants that information. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's 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 kind of exciting. Do you, do you find um, Pam that there's um, patterns today in terms of people's bodies, meaning that there are different chakras that we are, that you're dealing with more often than others, uh, sacral versus heart versus crown, um, or um, is it just literally a smorgasbord? Uh, it's always individually wrapped, as sure. I always say. But sure. um, we do have, or we're taking a hit because anything is a culture mm-hmm. where a lot of people are highly emotional about things that we're starting to see. I'm starting to see people very interestingly hit with their physicality because of their emotional body. Do you think that today people are more sensitive than they were? Three years ago, meaning is there an increased um, sensitivity yeah. as a whole? I think we're going. Well, they in a lot of the literary um, esoterical literature is they're going through a shift. Sure. And the first of all, we have to raise our vibration to do this shift. And I didn't know that we actually had to lower our vibration to do a shift too. So that's going to be a bouncy ride mm-hmm. if you're going to. So that's the same thing as going for mind body seven a third. 
50 years ago or 40 years ago is that it keeps new information, keeps coming up, and it happens to be more and more fun because it accepts some of the information is uh, off, t- off the wall for normal people. You start talking about weird stuff, then um, paranormal stuff or science fiction. I used to, I used to say it, it's not science fiction, it's science future fact because <laughs> our phones are just like, right. you know, Star Trek. You know? Right. <laughs> and I'm waiting for the transporter, right? <laughs> but that's just me. But the, I, and I like that tricorder. That's what I really, and so we kind of, I kind of do the tricorder thing. But the thing about empath versus psychic mm-hmm. here is, is that you get a clear, like download like that an empath is a, it gradually gets you it's a role and you're like i'm getting a feeling interesting now i didn't um categorize it that way because i actually do you get, get that bang i get a hit so i can tell you the middle of the dartboard to the sentence mm-hmm. and to the age that the person had the event without them having to tell me but to be honest i uh try to work with everybody so that they will um, collaborate with me versus me projecting upon them. But Mm -hmm. that has tremendous value because if they go to remember that, but if someone doesn't remember from zero to 13 because of X, Mm -hmm. yes, um, then I will, shall we say, prod and put up some mileposts to say, Mm -hmm. does this something that you recall? And and that's tremendously helpful. But then again, back to the, uh, the connection to the body, a lot of people really aren't aware what's going on. Now, I've I've Mm -hmm. made this analogy, and I think you can appreciate it, that most people aren't having awareness within their body before they have a meal. Right. They're not (laughs) aware of how they're feeling while they eat. Mm -hmm. And when we go, you know, 30 minutes after or an an hour after the meal, they're still not aware beyond, you know, I thought McDonald's was something I wanted (laughs) to have. I ate McDonald's, and maybe I don't feel as good as I could, but I feel more energy than I did before, so that was good enough. And I'm not saying that you know, uh, devaluing that particular food group, but rather honoring that we we have the capacity to do a lot better than that by just putting focus attention there. They have a new word. See, they've been doing a lot of work on this. It's called introception, mm-hmm. which means the ability to go within your body and feel things within your body mm-hmm. and understand things. And so they now, in the trauma psychology, are going into the idea that you can actually feel things in your body and you can feel energy flows in your body. You can feel the traumas and just opening up that idea. Mm-hmm. See, this is ideas and awareness. A lot of people go like, oh, oh, is that what that could be? You know, I had that weird, you know, so the people like, I have this feeling when you, you well, one person said, I have a headache and I don't think it's mine. You know, it's like, <laughs> Yeah. So uh, the same thing is like when you do that, it it, it makes my left foot itch. And it's like, okay, now we'll get, we have some pathways that are part of the energy flow stuff. And so that's. So Pam, can you actually feel energy as it, as it's supposed to go through um, a given body, a body part? Is that something? Well, uh, I'm science-based too. Right. And the fact that energy flows like a physical. So if people are colder and hotter in spots right. physically, right. something's not flowing right. Usually it's circulatory, but okay. it could be lymphatic, makes people more cooler because they've got more water sure. that's colder. Right. So then if I can get that to move, the thing is... is uh, in energy work, I'm a Reiki master, so it tends to be more with the endocrine organs. Okay. So it tends to be more magnetic, which is waterish. Mm-hmm. So if your hands heat up and and cool down, you're running magnetic energy. If you if it's buzzy and electrical, mm-hmm. it's electrical. So your skeletal system, your nervous system, your fascial system runs electrical, and so it helps if you can know when you're run if you well you don't need to know you just have to know that your hands doing something like why is your hands hot well it must be some clearing of magnetic and uh, magnetic energy which would be water sure so then if it's buzzy you know and sharp then right. we're doing electrical or skeletal or joint so being aware of that doesn't necessarily mean well, it is. If you're more aware of it, you do more of it. Well, yeah, I think awareness obviously is key. Um, and I think, to be honest, you probably, um, 
have always been doing it, if I can say it that way, and then your awareness has catapulted you to use that awareness to even be more acute in helping facilitating others, and obviously teaching it as well. Um, but I think a lot of people, my point was, I don't think a lot of people are aware um, mm-hmm. that they're wanting to be aware, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, they're screaming to be aware. How do I become aware of something that, let's say, I know of their mm-hmm. own body? And they might be asking themselves the question, well, why don't I know? In the same way that you might work on my body, and so well, why doesn't Weston know? And sometimes I do, and mm-hmm. sometimes I don't. You know why <laughs> they don't want to? Yeah. Fear. Of? Not know what, whatever it is. It might be scary. It might be something wrong. It might going to kill me. So, so people block things because that's a blockage of energy through the emotional stuff. But, but we're talking about beliefs or are we talking about something deeper? Beliefs and thoughts. Okay. Thoughts is, a, thoughts is Just a the thought. belief in motion, <laughs> you know, because okay, you, you mean that, that, um, I may not want to know this because I think that it might hurt me right. or, or, uh, be disruptive to my relationship or right. to something it else. It might mean something more than I don't want it to mean. Right. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm. People avoid that like the plague because, um, <laughs> do I have to change anything? That's another thing why people don't want to, what do you mean? Do I have, what? And you're going like, well, I don't know probably change something but it is just a thought to change it doesn't necessarily mean you have to change your life eventually your thoughts will change you changes your life sure so it's like but you don't want to go in with that idea that you're going to have to change everything would you agree that um it's our soul's desire to express itself in this mm-hmm. physical realm with our bodies Yes. Okay. Then would you also appreciate, our, based upon the last statement, that we want to change? <laughs> yeah. Your soul does. It doesn't mean that you're on track with your soul. No, I'm with you, but that's part of what I want to dialogue about. <laughs> to, to, to have that soul, shall we say, give it uh, the tarmac to really take off the, the Learjet to do what it's come here to do in our embodiment without having to panic mm-hmm. that we're going to die. I mean, right. um, it, does, it could, I guess, but it could do that walking across the street. But getting aligned in that way, um, energetically in terms of the flow, physically and especially psychically and otherwise, um, there's something magical about that, not mm-hmm. not just kind of magical. It's really, really beautiful to realize, oh, finally, I'm in the groove and I'm, I'm doing what I came here to, quote, unquote, do. Um, so there's there's some theories here. Yeah. Is that the physical third dimension, third rock from the sun, mm-hmm. is on the third chakra, which is control. Mm-hmm. So people like control. I know what that third chakra is, but it is what? <laughs> It's the third chakra of the chakra system. We have the solar plexus. Yeah, I just want to get it out. So the problem with it based on that is also based on survival because we have an animal body. Our physical is an animal body. It's based on survival. Sure. So in the physical plane is survival. So we're here. We come into the physical if this is a cosmology, by the way, sure. if you're a piece of, I call it piece of God mm-hmm. that wanted to experience not knowing stuff, mm-hmm. that you actually got into the body, this but, is you the ha- place. <laughs> but you have to forget that you know stuff. Right. So you have to be in forgetful, I call it the forget gene. And so you come in and you're like, what is this? Who am I? What am I about? Right. So for about 30 years, you're developing a personality and an ego in order to stay in the body. Mm-hmm. So then around supposedly some of the theories, and I read books to actually collaborate what one book says to another book so that I sure. don't are not, you know, so I have backup and that's the research part is that around 30 or 35 is when you start, your soul goes, nice that you made that personality. I got you something else to do. (laughs) We're going to do something different, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll build on it. You'll be a flavor of what I want to do. So that is like midlife crisis, if you look at that. And people go like, oh, I got all my, you know, I got into school and I got all my education and now I don't like that anymore. I'm in a relationship for 20, 15 years, and now I something's happening. Right. And so this is where the fear is like of what did you get me into? It'd be better if we could actually, and my kind of, when I look back, 
I did all these things through my life and had some interesting experiences <laughs> through my life. And I realized that my soul was doing that the whole time. Right. And that when I recognize what my soul is doing, I'm right back in feeling, yes, this is just like this whole business that I'm in mm -hmm. was something that didn't, wasn't there for, but it was wanting to be here. Right. My soul wanted this to be here for all these people and, and to help people. And the drive behind that was so strong, but it didn't fit anywhere. It didn't fit in the nursing, you know, the traditional nursing. Welcome to the to the, <laughs> yeah. this side of the universe Woo. where you don't know how to categorize what and you're doing. Like, this is not, and but people like it. Right. You know, you find out like you like it and then other people like it. And only people that are like minded like it so that you get rid of the other people that don't like it. So right. that's don't you can, respect it, don't honor what you're it's doing. It's just like, I don't care what you do, but I can do this. And everybody goes, oh, I really like that, what you do. So sure. it's like, it fits, it can see it work. So that's where understanding that your soul, if you can recognize it, that your soul was there a whole time, you know, plotting out little weird things and watching and stuff to be able to blossom when it can. That's so cool because I see that uh, a lot. I have saw that very quickly within my own self. Um, I call them mile markers or, you know, the little things we have on the side of the road to determine how far we mm -hmm. have to go to Flagstaff or Sedona. Um to look backwards and says, boy, that, I was showing myself the whole time, like mm -hmm. Hansel and Gretel crumbs to mm -hmm. who I am, what I'm here to do. Um, and it really helped. Um, it helped me to remove my anxiety or fear to uh, say, hey, uh, there's a bigger plan going on. I'm obviously leading this this mm -hmm. thing. So get out of the way and let mm -hmm. myself uh, express further. Get rid of guilt because you, you know, look like you went off the road there. Right. But you really weren't. There was a thing that you had to go pick up off the road. Right. And you gave a bigger, stronger understanding. For Pam, I have insight that you read. Give me an idea. How many books a week? I usually have three books going. I have an energy book. I usually have a technique. And I, a lot of the books I have, I don't read completely. They're references. And so then I have them look up if I'm... I have studies. Sure. <laughs> so then the books are pulled together at the right time, mm -hmm. at the right... And I trust that my soul or my universe or whatever is doing that because I'll study and I go like, whoa... I read this book before, but I never saw that. Right, what right. That? So um, I was trying to think in terms of how many books I well, We can do it <laughs> based upon how Amazon charges you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, and I look at how many times I look at Amazon as okay. to searching for books that are interesting to me. And then I learned this new book, new name, and I can't remember the name. It's some kind of Japanese name for people who will buy books, even though they're not going to read them, just for fear that you're going to miss some information. Yeah, fear of missing out only from and a knowledge so perspective. I kind of think that I went, oh, no, there's <laughs> a word for that. Because it isn't like I read I read a lot of books, right? but I don't read all of them all the time. So give me an idea, <laughs> give us an idea about how many, let's say, annually. I, w I had to go back to the weekly. That's fine. Okay. So I have three, three going per week. Yeah. Okay. But and then at any given time, then I finish a book, get a new one. Right. Finish it. So it's like three going all at. But, but there's a reason for this. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm serious. What, what, tell me or I'll help. Uh, what's what's the reason that you find the desire? This, And by the way, we should understand the kinds of books that Pam's reading aren't um, eighth grade novels. <laughs> I have some of those. Too. No, I mean, they're, <laughs> as you said, studies. Some of these things are really, really deep. Um, and that fits based upon some of your medical background, certainly your intellectual abilities. Um, but you're really reading some things that most people, um, even in the profession of the profession, may or may not be reading. And I find that fascinating as another intellectual of sorts. But you're doing something with that. And I'm interested in... Why? Yeah. This is a soul thing. Okay. Um, I've kind of discovered lately about a soul drive for truth. Mm-hmm. And also, my soul wants to merge with other people and help them find their truth. Right. So, in order 
to do that, mm-hmm. in order to do that, I have to actually have resources. You know, if I say something, they go, where'd you get that? You know, so it gives them another place to go instead of me being the answer person. So I want them to start their own quest. So, but you're now telling me slash us that you are using this information to offer us physical confirmation. This is the scientific side. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and it sounds like, and I think I'm right with this, that the scientific side is kind of catching up maybe a little mm-hmm. bit in some of these departments so we can actually point to a study or these books or mm-hmm. these points of reference so that someone that maybe didn't have a physical understanding can now, mm-hmm. um, even without the woo-woo. We, right. we can remove the woo-woo and just say, hey, there's something going on here and people are beginning to, to measure it. Um, I think it's fascinating, though, that you are um, have that unique balance because I seem to have that interest, too, to being extremely spiritual, and I, there's a part of me that loves to have the physical confirmation. And so mm-hmm. I, <laughs> like you, are in different departments reading, you know, um, physics and quantum mm-hmm. physics and things like that. Um, not because I'm trying to be, have a doctorate, and only to see different pieces that I can use as a confirmation to point to someone else beyond my own self so it doesn't appear like I'm making something up, mm-hmm. which is important, I think, for uh, some people uh, along the process. Naturally, we don't have to use it. But I think it's fascinating that you're um, actually so skilled in that department, meaning you're you're not just a, a casual reader about that with, within an industry. You're very much, and it's not like you're, you know, in certain industries we have continuing education credits and, you know, you're... <laughs> You pass it up in like three hours of the first week. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you really consume a lot of information. It's sort of like a study. It's like something's thrown out and then I look, for example, fascia or myofascia and with trauma and mm-hmm. where things are stored mm-hmm. and the energy all are coming together because mm-hmm. they mention each other in all these the, you know, these groups. And I go like, <laughs> so I see patterns mm-hmm. in the future mm-hmm. of what, uh, and then I see things coming towards me that would back that up. And as a, it's also to teach mm-hmm. and to, if people ask me, you know, where'd you get that information? And they, they could go there if they wanted to. Sure. Most of the time they don't. Right. <laughs> a right. lot of times they're like, well, this book, look at this book and look at this book and look at this <laughs> And they kind of go like, uh, this is well, or specific is like this. We're talking about energy. Do you really want to know why a person come in and then she says she's so tired? Is it just because of her age and everything? And I says, well, I have this book called Charge, which is really cool. It's saying energy is a charge and you can either ramp up the charge or decrease or disperse the charge which is a really cool way of understanding energy. And it's a really cool book to how to harvest your own energy. If you're too anxious or something, you could actually ar- harvest that and hold it for later. That's all a new idea and but see, all that, That's how fascinating to daylight to me. And I actually study a lot of that, even from a physical perspective. But that, what you described as a battery. So mm-hmm. what we're doing is charging the battery so we can use that. Because most of the time, if you're frizzing out with an ad, uh, f- anxiety and fear, right. you're discharging, but you don't have anything. Later, you're just all pooped because you discharged, but you didn't, you could actually, har- she I, gives this idea that you can actually harvest that energy for later, which is a really fascinating idea for people who are chronically tired sure. from being anxious and worried. And Pam, when, cool. when you're working with somebody, do you find that you get tired on in individuals that you work with, or how do you stay, shall we say, charged as you're expelling well, or extending? Well, it's funny. The belief system of leaving one person and washing my hands and to do. Sure. But eventually by the end of the day, it's like, oh. And the, and I find that, and I'm still working on that because we're always working private. Sure. Is that teaching, I have to actually merge with each student to mm-hmm. see if they are mentally tracking with me. Right, right. And then if I do massage teaching, which I do, I put my hands on their hands mm-hmm. and I'm seeing what they're doing. And so then I realize that that's what I've been doing all. I merge with people. Okay. And then separate from them. That's what I've learned. But I have to also process it. Like at the end of a class that I have 15, 16, 20 students. Sure. It, there's a time when I don't talk. My, I come home and my husband goes, are you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> I can't talk. I have to process and I kind of figure out what I'm processing 
each person. I kind of like go through each person and see if I'm complete with that, what we did and what accomplished. That's really interesting because I absolutely do that individually. Um, I do that a lot remotely um, and in group form as well. So um, I can feel an audience before I arrive and mm-hmm. I can feel um, what's happening and what someone's going to stand up and I sometimes can even tell you the person that's going to ask me the question that they do. And it's fun. And at the same time, sometimes for me, it can be hard to go to sleep because mm-hmm. I'm so, <laughs> you know, charged up with all this mm-hmm. energy and it's, it's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I guess in one sense, it's like, you know, playing guitar on stage and being really into your, mm-hmm. your gift. And I do think of it that way. Um, but at the same time, I'm trying to kind of calm down because I need to go to sleep for the night. And mm-hmm. there's things that I do to, to stay open to the process so that I'm recharging as much as I'm continuing mm-hmm. to um, it is difficult. Well, and the empath part of it is that I don't get that bright, like, that's it, that's that. Right. I kind of, it's growing, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's what happened during the class. Sure. So I don't get, is I'm like on a time lag. <laughs> so I'm going like, something is clearing. I don't exactly know what that is. Most time you don't understand, my type a personality would not allow that, so it, <laughs> it has to be now, or we're not gonna we're not gonna deal with it. Um, so, so that's the difference between an empath and a psychic. <laughs> um, you have to have patience. Have to, like, I'm still learning that part. What is so. that? What is that coming at me? What is that feeling? When you go to teach somebody to um, feel energy. Uh, and I'm speaking of um, more of the esoteric energy because I, th- I think personally it would be easier to teach someone the, f- the hot and cold. I think mm-hmm. that would be uh, easier, hopefully easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've done this energetically. And, uh, lots of times I'll ask somebody to put their hand uh, hovering above my hand to see if they can feel my energy. Someone who's um, more aware in whatever ways doesn't have to be through that that part of our bodies, uh, they can feel it pretty quickly. And others um, may take a moment. And mm-hmm. I can do it without, again, having to create the exercise of putting up my hand. But it creates a, a focused attention for the moment. Mm-hmm. And at one point they can say, oh, I think I felt something. And it could be hot or cold, which I'm mm-hmm. hoping that they might become aware of. And then ultimately they don't need me to, um, shall we say, jumpstart mm-hmm. them to feel that. How do you um, help others and becoming aware of how this energy flows and what's a desired energy, think of it like a river, uh, versus it's only trickling and we don't we don't have enough flow. Or maybe it's not flowing, um, I'll use the terms healthy enough. It's it's not a, a very nice electrical flow. Well, it's difficult. And, and uh, that's part of me going like with students, it's I usually tell them a lot of information that they're going to get in a couple years. And that's where I download it and they get really scared of like, what? Sure. And I say, no, you're going to, you're going to want this <laughs> because I know they can't get it because they're at different levels. Right. Some are really, you know, I got a few that are like, Neh. right. But they have done stuff in their work, you know, cause it's, it's kind of when you say their work, their own personal, their own personal yes. growth and okay. and awareness and openness. Sure, sure. Whereas they have the closed ones, and we're just going to do this, and we're just going to do that, and right. give me a sequence, give me something to do, and a I'm process. like, um, but massage in itself is an art form for me, mm-hmm. and it's a relationship. So you can't. There isn't. There is some sequencing, so that you just don't forget to cover all the bases with it, <laughs> sure. so that people get touched all over in it legally. Yeah. <laughs> in the yeah, right. right. But um, but then you have to be able to know where to go, what needs, what's constricted, and what's not constricted. That's more. Is you you can. I can mm-hmm. at least try and get people to say, this is not mo- This is stuck. Can right. you feel this? St- and it has to be physical. This isn't moving. Can you feel this? W- feel the other leg. Is that, that's the kind of thing. So I have to start with physical. And that's why I've always used body and massage as a physical tool portal okay. to the other things. And I says, well, and then they watch me and I say, well, this is this is not moving and this is not moving and this on the skeletal system and this happened in a class and I go, did you fall out of a tree? <laughs> and he goes, yes. And the rest of the, the rest of the class went, well, how did you do that? I'm like, I don't know. 
It's just, I just t- went with it because it feels like it went bing, 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 like you fell out of a tree. But not really, because if I can say it this way, it's like you um, having a piece of the puzzle and another piece of the puzzle, and then suddenly you have enough of the puzzle that you can say, oh, I'm looking at an image of someone falling out of a tree, and then because of that, you share that, and someone offers you that confirmation. Is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's... And cool. that's something, it frustrates the students because like, I want to do what you're doing. Well, everybody does it differently. You right. may never be able to do that. That you, But you will have your ways of, if you're interested in helping people and working with people, you will do your own thing. And, and it starts, Pam, doesn't it, with our own selves? Like you mm-hmm. said to the students, that the more open that we are within our own selves, um, and I'm speaking of not having resistance, conscious or unconscious resistance, mm-hmm. so that this information can be shared from me as a spiritual channel and or the universe as a whole or, you know, you or anybody else just walking on the street. Um, that if we open ourselves to this, that the universe will just communicate, shall we say, everything we need to know. Mm-hmm. But that, again, is hard to open because we've been socialized. And socialization kind of teaches us not to just be totally open. To be careful, you mean. You have to be careful right. and you have to be polite and you have to do this and you have to do that. And so that those are things that you have to, you still can be polite and be open, sure. you know, but uh, that's some of the resistance is, no, that can't be, okay. You're going like, Okay. When you're ready. <laughs> and what would you give us as a, uh, a tip, uh, call it a homework assignment, that we could work on um, individually that would help us to become more connected to our, our body, our soul, and our body? Hmm. I think becoming aware, I tell my students, like, when you talk to yourself, who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. So becoming more of aware is who you're talking to. Are you referring to my ego or? Yeah. Okay. It's important to know if you're talking to your ego. I think so too. Or if your ego is talking to you. I'm with you there too. I just want to make sure we're clear. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea is like, you'll say, well, that isn't true. And you're like, who? You know, don't talk to me. (laughs) So you have like, I call it with some of my clients, a board of directors. Right. So there is a, a, a meditation as to, Put a table, a big table in a safe room mm-hmm. and put your different, your physical body, your mental body, your emotional body, your spiritual body, your intuitive body, your divine body mm-hmm. or mind, because they both have that, at a board of directors right. and say, who wants to have the tables? Well, actually the microphone, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then no, take note because you're the observer right. and you become the observer and you kind of go like, who's talking first? You know, the physical goes like, well, I've been trying to tell you because the physical is trying to tell you something is not in balance. With some of the physically, because it's going to get, it's going to hurt and Mm. it's going to say, Hey, right. So the physical will keep hurting until you get the message. And if you say, Oh, I got the message. You don't like that. And it goes, it will give up the pain if it was an emotional pain. Sure. And so I know that if they could do that, then some of the pain would go away because that's what they want is get rid of the pain. Okay, so let me summarize what we've learned. So um, there's a suggestion that you're putting forth that if we brought these different components of who we are into a a forum, um, a board of directors forum, and we give these pieces of who we are an opportunity to speak and be very attentive to who's speaking versus who isn't, and shall we say just take note from Mm -hmm. an observer's perspective so that we can put something in play that creates balance. Right. The main thing is being open to that you have these different aspects. See, a lot of people don't real, realize they have all these people. That's right. why I said, who, who, when you talk to yourself, who are you talking to? Sure. Who's your audience and who's who's talking? It allows them to like, yeah, I do that. And like, who am I talking to? And why am and why are you talking to? What is that about? So that's just a vehicle that you know, a picture or a guided imagery sure. to utilize the fact that accepting that you have all these parts to you that have ideas <laughs> that probably subconsciously are prodding you. I think that's um, 
a very interesting exercise um, because it, it works very, very well with the human mind. And the reason why uh, is because the human mind likes everything categorized. Mm. Um, so <laughs> it loves the idea that, oh, we're now talking to Weston's higher self or we're talking <laughs> to his left leg. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I can deal with that. That's because I'm more of a mental person. No, I know that. But yeah. I'm, I'm teasing. But there's something about being able to uh, have that distinction between those different pieces and parts. And at the same time, at one point, when one's ready, to integrate that so yeah. that, that we understand that, okay, this is Weston's ego saying that I want to flip somebody off because they're driving too slow, or um, that's just some part of Weston that says, you know, we should get off the freeway now because it's dangerous. And mm-hmm. instead of me interpreting that I need to uh, put my energy mm-hmm. towards someone being in my way, maybe I'm trying to tell myself it's time to go, you know, have a cup of tea someplace. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think that's cool. Pam, before we wrap up, can you share with me... Um, why you don't like emotions it's the empath in me i've been thinking about this and i was like oh, throw it along <laughs> uh, i don't mind laughter or joy or yes. all those it's the harder emotions that are murkier that have a little bit more charge to them as a negative or undesired well i there if you say negative, then you have negative. Right. Is anger negative? Is mm. sadness negative? See, that's where we we can't actually label them. We're just going to say that they don't feel as good to okay. have because sure. they have purpose, <laughs> maybe purposeful. Sure. And the main thing is probably the um, sensitive in me doesn't want since it runs through me, mm-hmm. you know, like if I tell somebody, if I'm bad at somebody and I tell them off, mm-hmm. it's just like hitting myself in the face. So I want to make sure I understand this. And the reason I'm asking this question is because a lot of people I think are challenged with this, not everybody, and actually probably a very small segment, but those who are affected in this way, I think would be really benefit from this dialogue here because there's a part of you that may, um, I'm going to lead you with this question, um, may process an emotion, uh, as if do I have to yeah. uh, when there's a faster way. Is that a fair way to put it? Yes. Okay. I've gone like um, like my husband goes when we first were starting dating and that, that stuff. He goes and I'd say something. He'd say something. I'd say, I'm sorry. He goes, why do you take the blame for everything? I says, I'm sorry, but I'm not taking the blame. I'm just sorry you feel that way. Right. And I need to cut to the chain. I don't have energy to build up into a crescendo where somebody's yelling and you're yelling back and forth because I don't have time for that. So you're cutting it off. You're going to be sorry before we get into the long argument. I'm sorry for whatever (laughs) I contributed to it, but I'm not taking the blame for everything. No, it's kind of of nice because it makes arguments uh, come to an end before they start. And you never have to build and you never take the risk of dumping a bunch of stuff that you don't want in that mix because you really need to keep things separate and you don't want to dump a bunch of, well, I've always hated the way you did that. Right. And then you have to back yourself out of all of those things that you've said. Right. And so, and you just want to get this one thing. <laughs> can we order this one thing that we can, and that's how I've learned to cut to the chase. Okay, so we're going to reshape this. It's not <laughs> It's not emotions at large. It's just that you are saying, and this is why I want to bring it forth, is that there's a faster way to process than actually being limited to some of the emotions or some of the ways that we express emotions. And because of that, you're actually shortcutting or creating a, a faster way to get to the other side. Well, that's why. Yeah. It's not that I value emotion because energy in motion, it fuels. Sure. It gives movement towards your mental and your ideas. Yeah. If you don't have enthusiasm, you're not going to do anything that you thought you wanted to do. So I under, I appreciate emotions, but I don't have time. Like I had one client that was, and I don't say names so that you know, That's it's fine. all common. Yeah. And that all of a sudden we had 10 minutes left and she goes, oh, I had incest with my father. And I go, and she started crying. And yeah. I'm like, um, uh, is this a new information? Is what I said. And she goes, No. I says, Is there anything we need to do? do about we it have today. 10 minutes. I have the next person in the outside office. Yeah. Is there anything we need to do about it? No. I was like, Okay. 
So we, okay, do we want me to do anything about the... Sure. No, okay. We, we had to cover all those bases because that can be a really problematic thing and you leave somebody hanging 10 minutes after. Well, no, I think... And I, I was laughing, but I want to be very respectful because, of course, um, we want to help someone direct this thing that's coming forth. And mm-hmm. you're recognizing through these questions of what can we do constructively to take this emotion and or the story forward is really, really beautiful. And again, some people want that. And as you know, as well, some people may or may not, they may more just regurgitate the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pam, I just want to thank you so much for taking your time to um, join us this afternoon. And um, I personally can share with you, I'm so grateful to call you a friend and you certainly uh, all that you do for me and my family. And, and certainly for all of us who are benefiting from some of Pam's knowledge because I'm telling you she's a treasure of understanding and not just of the intellectual side. So Pam, just thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Privilege. For us to make true connections, we have to engage. I really want to hear your comments, so please leave a review at westonjolly.com forward slash review or go to iTunes and give me your thoughts there. This helps our connection, and it's a tremendous help to others, too. Everything we do is designed to offer you a deeper spiritual connection within. You can also make a personal appointment with me, Weston Jolly, right now by going to westonjolly.com. Also, check out my current events, books, and other products. Also, my free newsletter. Thank you for joining me, Weston Jolly, for my podcast, True Connections.